0: You're listening to The Best Of, The Michelle Miao Show. Your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And now your host, Michelle Miao.
1: It's Michelle Miao. You're listening to The Best Of Show. We're replaying some of my favorite interviews we've done this year. Today's program is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. We'll continue our focus on Frameline, the San Francisco LGBTQ Film Festival that's happening right now. Uh, As you can tell, we've had some incredible people that we've interviewed uh, and, and also their films. Great work. It gives us the amazing opportunity to talk to the filmmakers from all around the world, really. So earlier this year, Vietnam announced that it would legalize gay marriage but not recognize it. I don't know what that freaking means. But basically, from what I understand it, gay and lesbian people can get married. And that was prohibited prior to January of this year. But uh, as far as legal disputes goes, the courts would not get involved. So again, I'm not really sure what it all means. But for Vietnamese government officials, they felt that the country needed more time to accept gay and lesbian people. That leads me to the question, well, what about gay, lesbian, bi, and transgender? People, what about the trans population in Vietnam? How are they recognized or accepted, especially in a communist country like Vietnam? Uh, what about socially or culturally? Our next guests are with the film "Finding Fong," a documentary chronicling Lee Quoc Fong and her transition as a transgender woman in Vietnam. So let's welcome director Swan Dubis. Hello, Swan. Hello. And the star of her own documentary. Which is so amazing, Fong. Welcome to the show. Hello, <laughs> I'm from... <laughs> How are you doing
2: today? I'm very happy. Yes. Ha- first time in San Francisco? That's right. And um, That's the first time I'm, I come to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy to share my story.
1: I'm very happy for your story. I yes. watched it this morning, and you had me crying, you had me laughing you had me I, so many i went to so many places but i am very happy that you share your story this way because in you know from vietnam we've not heard a story like this right not very much we get to hear a, a, about a transgender people in vietnam
2: maybe in vietnam there's some people change um, boy I um, became a girl, um, but not anybody um, girl change a boy yet. Yeah. Um, and um, me, uh, um, I change a boy became a girl. And now I'm very happy when I'm a girl
1: yeah yeah and you're a very beautiful girl I, I you know you. your smile is so is so wonderful Swan uh, this is my question for you 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 the documentary opens up with the close-up of Fong and Fong is very sad she's crying you're know, crying a lot and we focus on her her crying so much but it she's also talking into the camera as if she is there's a message for her mom and in the middle of the documentary, uh, as soon as she starts transitioning and taking hormone therapy, it almost feels like the documentary, or the format changes and becomes much more narrative. Was that the purpose? and Was that on purpose?
3: Well, when we started filming, we didn't know the at all. So it was a bit difficult for us to step in her intimacy like this. And she was living difficult moments because she was very lonely, very sad, and very uncomfortable with her, her body and uh, with her relationship with other people. So we didn't feel like stepping in her story and uh, as, as foreigner, as yes, people coming from from outside. So we just gave her a camera, and all the beginning of the film, it's a film diary. It's not shot by us, and. It's very frequent when people make film diaries, they've got people they talk to, and for form it was her mother, because at this time it was her big worry. Uh, will my mother will accept my, my transition or not? And um, when she started her transition by going to Thailand and start taking hormones, she was more joyful, but she had to, to complete this, uh, this big journey. And she was not filming. She was not feeling like filming anymore. It was a big, big task for her. So at this time, we came with a camera, and at this time we were friends already. So it was possible for for us to to film these situations in in her room or very close to, to her.
1: Yeah, it was very quite clear and uh, almost like we went – a lot of things happened. You went from the format changing and also, Fong, your emotions, uh, you know, change, your behavior change. You went from crying to dancing (laughs) and you went from sad to happy and also from, you know, talking in the beginning to your mom to talking to everyone, everyone – and so, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, there was a scene, um, there was a scene at the theater where you work, the Water Puppet Theater. And there was, you were talking to an actress and her male companion, and you were, you were very open about who you are because she had used the pronoun she- Right. And and then you start explaining, you know, transgender and transitioning to this, this the, the, the couple. I don't know if they were a couple. And Swan, you, you know, the, the, my question is the, what the man, the gentleman had said was that, you know, that, that he kind of he kind of accepted the idea of Fong of being a woman, but then didn't understand it or didn't grasp it because he said, but you cannot have children. And I'm wondering, you know, in the Vietnamese culture. If they're that's how they define gender roles, you know, women, women reproduce or women have babies, and then men, you know, they, well, they, they make the baby. But uh, there was so much emphasis on reproduction, so I wanted to ask uh, how that is defined in the Vietnamese culture.
2: Yes, right. The girl, um, Vietnamese, um, is born, a, um, born baby. Yes right it's important um uh, about girl Vietnamese. and I'm um, a girl chance. I'm so sad because I can't work on um for um, my uh, my love my boyfriend and um, so I'm so sad which i think that you know um
1: i think that uh, what that does is redefine gender roles. I mean, sharing a story like Phong, um, that, that, that breaks a traditional idea, doesn't it? it? It changes the dialogue in Vietnam.
3: Well, in Vietnam, as you said, it's the most important for a family is that your child will have children. And uh, for transgender, when you, when you have surgery, then you don't have this possibility. For, for homosexuals, it's very different. And in Vietnam, it's now it's more and more accepted because family thing, maybe anywhere you can have children. Right. Uh, but for transgender, it means that you will like cut the lineage. Yeah. And this is uh, what the families can't accept. And that's the big problem in Vietnam. But also in Vietnam, the, the vision with transgender is very different from North to South. You know, in South, it's very accepted uh in the society for instance they are uh singing in the funerals and uh they are part of the landscape in the south mm-hmm. in north not at all it's quite uh, quite new and there's very few transgender who live their life openly
1: Michelle Miao, we are focusing on Frameline this week, celebrating San Francisco Pride by the weekend. Frameline is here, uh, the San Francisco LGBTQI Film Festival, and we're having an awesome opportunity in speaking with two people from a film out of Vietnam that touches on trans life. So we're speaking with director Swan Dubis and the star of her own documentary. Fong, and it's a documentary called Finding Fong, which will uh, be played this weekend, and we'll find out the exact date and time for you a little later. Um, we just mentioned North and South and it being different. That has to do with politics, right?
3: With culture. With culture. culture.
1: It's just uh, culture.
3: Oh. Oh, of course, politics, uh, it's more more open in the, in, in the South, too. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I think it's part of culture. Uh, the south is also close to to Cambodia, where it's uh, it's more maybe more open to.
1: Now let's talk about that. You when you went to Thailand for the first time, it was like it was crazy. It was a lot happening. The all the 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 lady boys were touching you, and they were excited for you and and then you were trying to explain to them your your girl and and I, I I was I was actually blown away by them you know wanting you to show what they had said in the film your cock uh, you know but but being in Thailand it, you know San Francisco is like the 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 heaven for for gay lesbian right but is Thailand it, you said it was heaven for people like you is that is it the same comparison? Not
2: different. I it's think it's different. different. Yet yeah, because I'm um, a uh, người châu Á, um, to say Vietnamese? Okay. Go ahead. Because I'm a Vietnamese, so when I come to Thailand and San Francisco, I'm a Vietnamese. So she said that the
3: foreign is <coughs> different because uh, <coughs> uh, Thailand is in Asia and she she's Asian, so she feels much more closer than uh, <laughs> that.
1: Uh, <laughs> We're going to take a quick little break right here, but when we come back, we're going to touch on finding Fong, what that actually means, and and getting into the heart and core of the documentary. So you don't want to go away. We'll be right back. You
0: are listening to a rebroadcast of an earlier version of The Michelle Miao Show.
1: it's michelle meow you're listening to the best of show we're replaying some of my favorite interviews we've done this year welcome back thanks so much for joining us here on this tuesday january (laughs) now i'm going back june 23rd as i mentioned i am part of the san francisco pride board so this week is just Wow, it's so incredible. There's so much going on, Uh, like Frameline. Frameline is happening right now. Frameline is the San Francisco LGBTQI Film Festival, and that usually kicks off, to me, it kicks off Pride. And Pride happens here in San Francisco June 27th and 28th. Our guests here in studio with us, actually, from Vietnam, and (laughs) I think their first time here in San Francisco. I feel so lucky that they're here in studio with us. Is Fong, who is the star of her own documentary, Finding Fong, and the director of the documentary Swan, uh, and again, I'm I'm so lucky you you know you're here with us today. Uh, hopefully, I get a picture later, right?
2: Yes, I'm very happy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's dive into the documentary, and uh, y- you know, you get to the part where you're having a conversation with your mom now. We're no longer talking in the camera to your mom. Now we're having an actual conversation with your mom in the documentary and she is very concerned for you and does not want you to transition. She doesn't understand it. She just doesn't, you know, you just doesn't understand why you want to. But what I find so remarkable and I I feel a connection because I experienced this with my own mother as an Asian mother, Southeast Asian mother is despite their feelings about What you want to be, who you are, and what you do, they support you in the end. So in the end, Fong's mother supports her, and it's funny because she says, just do one favor for me. And I'm thinking in my head it's going to be something extreme or very serious. And her request is, please don't, just stop exaggerating and just be natural, which is almost ironic because she did not find Fong transitioning or being be, being becoming a woman, you know, natural. Uh, but really, in the end, she just wants Fong to be herself. Uh, that's what I gathered. Is, is that the case with Fong's mom and her relationship?
3: Well, maybe during her transition, at one point, Fong was a bit exaggerating because she wants to, to bring attention of a, a family on her and um, just to get support or to everybody understand well what she was doing and how important it was for her. And uh, you know, she comes from center Vietnam, on a place very quiet, uh, small, small town. So when she arrived like this, uh, dressed as a woman and with uh, manners, maybe coming from the, 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 a big city, her family was a bit not ashamed for the neighborhood and everything, but they just wanted her to, 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 to be as before, to behave as before, even if she was a woman now. And mm-hmm. uh, that's what they want to say. Her so, mother wants to say, I think.
1: What is her, the relationship like now with Fong and her mom? The mother-daughter uh, relationship. Uh,
3: now I think uh, uh, her mother is relieved because the, the 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 surgery is done, and it was a big issue for her, and she was scared for medical reasons. She, she's got lots of fantasy about what could happen. She could die on the on the clinic, or so now she's relieved because of this, and she's. They're still very close. I mean, it's the last child of the family, uh, so it's very ah, important. Ah, yeah, you're the
1: baby, the baby of the family. So Fong, uh, your your mom, uh, you know, what is what is your relationship like now uh, as mom daughter? Because I, I I found it so touching when you took hormones and then you force her to touch your breasts <laughs> and and the make her understand. But maybe that was so new to her. But now that, you know, the documentary is out and you've transitioned. But what is your, are you closer now? Uh, Do you, do you
2: share uh, things in common? It's okay. Everything is okay. Mm -hmm. No problem. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I'm happy, so my mother happy
1: now. Mm Yes, very, very, very sweet.
2: What's important
3: also is that Fom's mother is uh, old. She's <laughs> uh, 75, I think, or something like this. And she's very worried, again, with this question of children. Because she's, she's thinking, maybe I will die soon. And if Fom don't have um, children, who will take care of her when I'll be dead?
1: It's like the same as my mom, you know, very, very worried. I have no one to take care of me, <laughs> but uh, I'm doing fine. Um, Michelle Miao, we're speaking with Swan Dubis. He's the director of Finding Fong. Also, Fong is here with us. Who's the star of her own documentary, and the documentary chronicles her transition in Vietnam. Uh, which I found this very interesting. You know, trans is different from or ladyboys in Thailand there's more words to describe uh, you know uh, gender variant people or gay lesbian but is there a word for trans in Vietnamese
3: uh, there's lots of there's, there's um, lots of words lots of bad words
1: okay <laughs> no we don't have to share the bad no, <laughs> words. no 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 no, no, no. Uh,
3: of course there's a, there's a uh, proper word to say uh, to say uh, transgender but uh, in the imagination of people, it was always with bad words that they say that. And now, because it's more and more in the media explaining what it, what it's about, I think people get more conscious and uh, there's less and less discrimination and these bad words are less and less used. Uh,
1: I mentioned Fong's mom. Let's talk about your dad. Your dad, he doesn't say much in the film. In fact, the, the beginning is just all, you know... Th- He's just kind of sitting there in a corner smoking a cigarette. And your dad is also older. I think he's uh, 80 now. But um, the one time he says something, he says something so important. He says, you know, there had been trans people before in history, but they did not have the tools to become trans. And now we have that. And no matter what, you know, Fong is my child, and I accept that. And so long as, you know, Fong's a good person and deserves, you know, a, a right to work as a, you know, a civil right to work in this country and be a part of the revolution. He's like the smartest, the, he said the, the you know, the, the greatest statement of all. So I gathered that he was very supportive of your transition from the beginning. And uh, he's an incredibly intelligent man. Yes,
2: ma'am. Um, I love my dad and love my mother so much because my dad, um, before my dad uh, don't understand me, uh, and long time I talk um, with my dad and okay, my dad um, understand me and love me more.
1: Uh, let's see. How long do we have? I'm gonna I'm gonna go a few more minutes. Uh, in in just trying to make sure that we covered. Everything about Finding Fong, the reason why I'm so uh, drawn to this documentary is that, you know, trans life here in America, it is a big subject right now. Uh, we have a big TV star that has become, you know, that is out on TV as a transgender woman. And maybe this is a question for you, Swan. Uh, and also we have big time actors, you know, and, and they're they're becoming more exposed in this country. But at the same time, we have a problem the American treatment of trans people is not always as glamorous as what's on television. So I wonder, you know, how are trans people treated in Vietnam? Are they fully accepted? Uh, You know, Phong is very open about dating in the documentary in which she's had some good experiences and we didn't show any bad experiences. Uh, But yeah, can you tell me what the culture is like in terms of accepting gay or not gay (laughs) transgender people?
3: Well, uh, it's a little bit like what you said. Uh, there's more and more transgender in the media in Vietnam, but most of them are in show business, uh, singers, actress, and our documentary is also to show that there's very you can you can have a very normal life as a transgender uh, transgender person, not just in uh, in show business. Uh, I think now it's getting better and better, really, in Vietnam and. Uh, there's a lot of program about transgender. People are aware about this issue now. And uh, I'm sure in a few years, now, now there's a, the, there's NGOs who are discussing with the government to change the law to maybe in a few years or in a few months, people will be able to change their gender on their ID. So that will be a great uh, a great result for them. I hope it will happen next year. And that's possible.
1: So, Fong no more crying, right? No more crying?
2: Oh, yes. I'm don't cry, <laughs> no more cry. <crying. laughs> because I'm a girl now, I'm so happy when I'm a girl. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And boyfriend? Yeah, I have boyfriend. He's He's so, he loved me so much.
1: Charming and uh, handsome.
2: Yes, he very handsome. <laughs> <laughs>
1: very handsome? Yes. Uh, I, I bet. I'm sure. Why would he not be? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Is he here with you now in, in San Francisco? Uh, no, uh, he's in Vietnam. <laughs> he's in Vietnam? Yes. And, and how about, you know, for people who see your film in San Francisco, what do you want them to
2: understand? What do you want them to take from your film? I want to say everybody, um, watch my movie, um, now I'm a girl, uh, so everybody look me a girl, not a boy. Yeah, um, and I want to say everybody in the world, the gay or lesbian or trans, uh, everybody is good, good person. So Yeah, that's
1: right. We're good people <laughs> and we deserve to be treated that way. Uh, one last question before I let you go. Uh, here in San Francisco, have you? Um, what do
2: you like to eat? Have you? Uh, do you eat, have you had good food in yes, San Francisco? Good food. I like oh. some. Yeah. What did you have? I come to San Francisco two days ago. Just two days so ago. I not eat so much. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we eat a lot here. Yeah. Can you tell? <laughs> we like to eat here in San Francisco. Uh, have you had the pho here?
2: Yes, yeah. I, I I eat in the morning this morning. How is it good? Is it's it good, good? Yeah? yeah. Is it okay? Good. It's okay.
1: Better in Vietnam though, huh? Mm, the same. It's the same?
2: Yes, the same. Um maybe a little a little bit.
1: A little bit uh, better or? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Maybe,
2: uh, I don't know. You know, it's okay, it's okay.
1: I was you know, I I I think it's probably better there. Um Don't forget, Finding Fong plays at the Roxy Theater this weekend, Saturday, June 27th at 4 o'clock. And I think that that's right before the Dyke March, so you should definitely mosey on over there near the mission. I definitely am going to go. If I can't make it to the film, I absolutely will go to the reception after. It's been such a pleasure having Fong here with us. I mean, this is a great story. It's very touching and near to me as a Southeast Asian lesbian, but also with family you know, who are transgender people. And so the great thing is at the end of the day, we all kind of have the same experiences, but that our, you know, complexity of being a human being, it's not just about our gender, but it's also inclusive of our family. It's inclusive of our culture and our religion. And we have to navigate, you know, all those different compartments of our life. And at the end of the day, acceptance and equality is all we really want to be extremely happy people so make sure you check out finding fong this saturday june 27th at four o'clock and i'm sure you can get tickets at frameline's uh website swan and fong thank you so much very thank you
2: very thank much, you
1: very much. <laughs> <laughs> the michelle meow show continues right after this don't go away
0: you are listening to a rebroadcast of an earlier version of The Michelle Miao Show.
6: I'm Heklina. I've been doing drag here in San Francisco for almost 20 years, and uh, over the past couple of months, I just opened up my club, Oasis. It's been going really well. People really seem to appreciate the space. It's something people say San Francisco really needs right now, because the city has been changing a lot. I always had this attitude of, of opening a space that was kind of like for everybody. And that's just kind of the attitude and the, the, uh, the ethics of Oasis is it's kind of a space for everybody. How does it feel to be a business owner? I don't know. You know, it's funny because I, I still have to kind of pinch myself to believe it's actually true. You know what I mean? Like, I walk in there and, and I go up to the bar and I go, oh, could I please have a glass of water? You know, it's kind of like, I forget that it's my place running gay clubs. It's changed a lot. Um, I think that gay people now, they're everywhere. They don't feel like they have to maybe be in a gay bar all the time. So you have to be much more creative about how you are enticing people to come out to your club. I, I guess I'm successful because I'll just say it. I work really hard at what I do. I also like to provide a really quality experience for people. So yes, you know, people will pay to see my shows and pay to come to my club, but I always try to like to give them something that's worth it. The experience that they'll, they'll leave my shows going, okay, that was worth it. You know what I mean? That's just always been my attitude, um, just to entertain people. And so it seems like that works, you know. I would say to young kids, you know, just kind of form your own identity.
0: You are listening to a rebroadcast of an earlier version of the Michelle Miao Show.
1: Do you want to recognize today is January 27th. It's Tuesday, but the United Nations General Assembly passed a resolution that officially says today, January 27th, is the International Day of Commemoration in Memory of the Victims of the Holocaust. Wow. Uh, so our friends, uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to Patrick Carney, uh, who heads up the, the Pink Triangle installation here in San Francisco during Pride, and that he posted the information. And remember, the Pink Triangle was uh, a way for, you know, the, for them to identify wow. queers or uh, members of the LGBT community and other people like gypsies and... The uh, I guess, you know, and so we just want to take a moment and recognize that, you know, today, January 27th, we are commemorating the victims.
7: That's um, I mean, they had a long list of people they hated. And, yeah. Uh, it's a good thing to remember it because, unfortunately, I mean, that, that kind of hatred is not gone.
1: It's not. It's not. And so... Um, today's program is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. And don't forget, it's tax season here in the States, so you have until April 15th to do your taxes. But we've got uh, fantastic news for you. Uh, if you mention San Francisco Pride or bring in the referral form that I'll tell you a little later how to get, uh, San Francisco Pride will get $20 so it's a great way to support the LGBTQ community. So visit sfpride.org for more information. Now, today's show. Um, I'm sure you all remember this crazy crazy story and it, you know because it we all use the internet for you know all kinds of purposes, meet people, research, do get your news and all that. But this specific story touched so many lives on on a, I call a freakish moment um, just because you didn't have all the information until you did, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, Amina Arafta was a, known as a pretty Syrian lesbian who had an online affair with uh, Sondra Bagaria. Beg- and during the time of the affair, Amina had launched a daring blog, uh, you know, touching on political issues in Syria called A Gay Girl in Damascus. Um, during the 2011 Syrian uprising, Amina's cousin, and I have to use air quotes for this because um, you know, the the cousin had blogged that uh, Amina had been abducted by the Syrian government, and so the LGBT community, community, the media, everybody went crazy trying to find Amina, and so only to find out that Amina was actually a fictional character made up uh, by a guy by the name of Tom McMaster, who was an American, uh, is an American. I just, I should say was because. <laughs> <laughs> That's not very it could be American, like anyway, so there's now a film out, and it's being viewed uh, at Sundance, getting rave reviews. And like I said, these are the hottest films, LGBT films that w- we should really be checking out, um, called the Amina Profile. And so I'm very happy to say that we have the director with us today. We'll talk about the film. I'd like to welcome you to uh, Sophie Duras. Sophie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, wow, I don't even know where to begin because I feel like that was just a mouthful and trying to explain the background of the film. Um, but let's start with the beginning. I mean, you know, when you watch the trailer, it it, it it looks like it's going to be this sensual, seductive, lesbian film. But it's really not, you know, it's not about the love story that, you know, kind of got tangled in this whole story. It's, it's much more than that, isn't it?
8: Yeah yes well uh the point of view i adopted uh with the film is uh, well my access was via Sandra Bagaria the uh, Montreal uh, online lover of Amina so uh, so uh, this story starts with a, uh, an online relationship that is, uh, uh, right from the beginning, erotic as well as intellectual, and then Amina starts the blog and becomes famous, uh, uh, especially when the Guardian conducts an interview with uh, Amina, supposedly, uh, from Damascus. Uh, well, it was conducted by a pseudonymous journalist uh, from Damascus. Uh, but uh, and then she she became famous, and the abduction uh, happened, and this investigation started to uh, uh, realize that uh, Amina wasn't uh, exactly who she pretended uh, to be. So um, so yes, it starts with uh, a pretty hot. Uh, Online affair (laughs) between two women just to expose afterwards very uh, important issues in terms of uh, uh, media identity, uh, uh, online identity, I would say, media coverage, and also the situation of activists in the Middle East, uh, LGBT activists, but also uh, activists in uh, a broader sense, and journalists as well who are trying uh, to speak about what's happening in their country and maybe like there are like so many cliches circulating and and they feel that uh they were um uh not only betrayed by uh, this uh and damascus blogger but also that they lost uh, credibility uh since uh, all this was a hoax
7: sure sophie this is john zipper um i know films can be incredibly difficult to get together to get to get backing and all that kind of stuff Was this a difficult one to find folks to to bankroll and to pull together, or were all those themes that you were just talking about attractive to a lot of backers?
8: Um, I would say the first difficulty was uh, since all of it happened online, Mm -hmm. I had to to find, like, okay, what am I going to film? Certainly not people behind their computers. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, that was the the first issue. Uh, I... Decided I would, uh, I would share with the audience what was uh, the fantasy, because Amina is, a, is obviously a huge fantasy that started with Tom McMaster and Sandra Bagaria, but then the fantasy was shared uh, uh, to a lot of people who followed the blog and and journalists and people who uh, campaigned for her. Um, It's a a fantasy, uh, I would say, of, uh, like, uh, yes, she's lesbian, she's cute, she's outspoken, she speaks about religion and sexuality and politics in a country where uh, she is a threat for doing so. Uh, So uh, it it is, she is the kind of uh, persona that we admire, that we want to see in the Middle East, Uh, so she's some sort of a mirror of our own uh, fantasies. Uh, so uh, I covered it uh, as it, it has the sense of a narrative film when we we get into uh, uh, this uh, huge fiction. And at the same time, I I had to meet with all the key people involved in the story to get their perspectives as well. I started with Sandra's perspective, but then then, uh, we learned a lot by traveling the world together and meeting with uh, uh, activists, LGBT people, uh, journalists from uh, San Francisco to Chicago, Washington, Beirut, Tel Aviv, uh, Istanbul. and, And then we realized how the impact on Syrian people uh, was uh, well a lot uh, bigger than what we thought, since we don't get so much of their perspective from, like, uh, our Western uh, point of view.
1: Sophie Duras is on the line with us. She's the director of the Amina Profile, a film that's currently being viewed at Sundance, and it's all touching on the subject of a gay girl in Damascus, a blog that, you know, was um, sub- supposedly about Amina Araf, um, but it, it wasn't about <laughs> Amina Araf. It was about a guy named Tom McMaster. And so, you know, Sophie, you just mentioned really quick on and finding out who it impacted, LGBT activists, journalists, um, you know, people who lived in Syria. Or, uh, it, But we, we haven't really even addressed the fact that, you know, Tom McMaster is an American, this blogger who made up Amina, you know, what about him? Is he involved in the film at all? Did he give you kind of, uh, you know, anything to go by to include in the film?
8: Um, well, actually, uh, documentary uh, is about taking risks, uh, setting uh, the ground for things to happen, and that's what we did. And uh, and it's a way, uh, uh, like, um, we actually uh we uh surprised the guy uh, uh because i well we we wrote uh saying that we were uh, doing this film he answered back but very vaguely uh so we figured that he wouldn't like willingly be part of it but we uh decided we would do it uh on our own terms and that was uh, pretty important for Sandra. Uh, uh, to to find a closure with him, and uh, well, that's what we did, and it's part of the film. You
1: have to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. And thank you for letting us uh, preview it. I don't want to give too much away. I, I mean, John, you got a chance to check out the trailer.
7: Sure. Uh, I'm I'm kind of curious. Has Tom McMaster's seen it, or has he give? Have we do we know what he thinks about this? Has he made any comments? Or try to defend himself?
8: Oh, we don't know if he's uh, seen it so far. I don't think so because uh, uh, I, well, I believe he would have expressed himself, but we never know. He might show up in some of our our screening uh, here at Sundance.
1: (laughs) Wow, I can't, I I mean, again, like this, uh, the story, the bogus story of this American blogger pretending to be a gay girl in Damascus, I mean, went as far as um, (laughs) creating a relationship or bonding with another lesbian uh, who happens to be from Montreal. And then, um, uh, you know, everything he says, though, about what was happening politically in Syria, um, you know, what What did you find out? How did it actually impact the people of Syria or the uh, LGBT activists and journalists there?
8: Oh, uh, pretty seriously. Uh, those people campaign for Amina, and that means in a country uh, where you're not allowed to speak against the government when uh it is uh, well it is as if homosexuality doesn't exist. So you're not allowed of uh, campaigning for someone who is uh, gay. Um uh and it so they they really put themselves in a, in a situation where they were at threat. But they felt they had to uh, uh to free uh someone and uh Sandra did the same uh, she did all what she could to free uh, Amina and and then was exposed in the media around the world uh, uh, like an activist uh, not only LGBT activists but activists in the Middle East that need social media to get the words out. Uh, they lost credibility, and not only that, but while we were all uh, campaigning for Amina, real people. Uh, real bloggers, or, uh, uh, well, were um, harassed by the regime, or even jailed, and, and well, and we never know what can happen in those countries. I mean, uh, torture happened, rape happened, uh, people uh, get back home in the body bag sometimes, and so, um, well, it's pretty serious and upsetting.
1: Yeah, I can only imagine. I'm, I mean, I'm still outraged by it, and I'll... I'll have to share with you actually a personal story of how I'm um, touched by the issue. Uh, You know, uh, Tom McMaster didn't just blog uh, for the gay girl in Damascus, but he also blogged on, um, you know, Let's Get Real, which a friend of mine was an editor who was on the show yesterday. So it was just like it feels like such a small, small world. Um, Sophie, I mean, I've already read a couple of reviews. Again, you know, this is a a movie to watch, uh, what, what what we're told. And, uh, you know, got rave reviews so far. So we're excited for the film, the Amina profile. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to have the subject of the film, the person who actually had the relationship with Amina, uh, Sondra Bagaria. So don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: are listening to a rebroadcast of an earlier version of The Michelle Meow Show.
4: Thanks for listening to the Progressive Voices Network, streaming the best in progressive talk 24-7. Keep the progressive conversation going on on Facebook. Like us at facebook.com forward slash progressive voices. On the Progressive Voices Facebook page, we update the stories that our hosts like Tom Hartman, Stephanie Miller, Bill Press, and Leslie Marshall will be talking about during their shows. And we share great news, commentaries, opinion pieces, and videos from all over the progressive world. Always progressive, always on. Be part of the progressive conversation like us at facebook.com forward slash progressive voices
0: and now back to the michelle meow show
1: it's michelle meow you're listening to the best of show we're replaying some of my favorite interviews we've done this year welcome back to the show i'm michelle meow your host we've got john zipperer here from commonwealth club On the phone with us, uh, we've been talking about a um, a situation that happened a few years ago. Uh, Tom McMaster was this American blogger who was pretending to be Amina Araf, a gay girl from Damascus, in which he actually named the blog that, and um, you know, was doing a lot of political blogging. And then one day was quote unquote abducted, and the world went crazy, including you know uh, Amina's girlfriend or you know they were online friends at the time for over six months um, who. We're trying everything to, to find Amina, and we found out the truth was that it was just an American blogger. Ugh, makes me so angry. Anyway, I'm very happy to say that we have uh, the, the person who had a relationship, uh, an online friendship with Amina on with us, and that's Sandra Brigaria. Sondra, welcome so much uh, to the show.
5: Thank you. Hi.
1: Um, so, you know, before we went on the break, we got a chance to speak to Sophie, the director, and we're talking about the movie that's now being viewed at uh, Sundance. But now we, we get a chance to talk to you personally, since you're the subject of the whole entire film. I mean, you met Amina online and uh, started exchanging, you know, just communication. and started to really fall for Amina as a person, right?
5: Yeah, totally. Uh, we started that relationship on, uh, in February 2011 by uh, Facebook Messenger. And then it went on on Gmail chat and uh, and so on.
1: And, and I mean, Amina sent you photos and I think, what, over 500 emails? I mean, uh, yeah. throughout all of that, did you ever kind of feel like this person is, I don't know, maybe too good to be true? Or
5: Of course I did. You know, I, I had my doubts also. It's not that I wasn't, I was that blind. I had doubts, but. In a way, you know, the situation there in Syria made things, uh, let's say, a little more credible. You're in in a war zone. You have less access to communication tools. Internet was also blocked sometimes. And also, you have to understand that uh, my doubts were washed out when The uh, the Guardian uh, made that interview with Amina, pretended they actually met Amina. Um, so I was like, okay, well, why should I still doubt They They uh, they have met her. Uh, it was an uh, anonymous, um, actually, a journalist from the Guardian that was using a uh, uh, alias uh, in Damascus that uh, pretended they were actually uh, they actually met. So can, you can understand that having that type of like stamp of approval made me feel a little better, better and reassured that she was a real person.
7: This is John Zipper. Uh, Sandra, tell us how you felt and what happened when you found out what Amina really was and who it was. Well,
5: you, it was in, in two steps. First, uh, we discovered that uh, the pictures of Amina were someone else's picture who was in uh, uh, was uh, Jelena is that Croatian uh, girl uh, who was living in London. So I was like, okay, well, I fantasized over a picture that was not hers. Okay, maybe I can pass through that. Uh, because a lot of people and activists in Middle East were using avatars also at that time and still are using avatars. You know, it's it's also a safety and security precaution right. they're doing. Sure. Yeah. Um, second, um, when they started investigating the fact that she may not be real, I was like, okay, well, I was writing to someone for six months. I'm not that crazy. So someone, whoever the person, person is, is been detained. I have no news. Uh, so we still need to find that person and free that person. So, of course, my first intention was to free Amina. Uh, and even after knowing that uh, it was Yelena's picture, it was still the same thing. I, I, I really thought someone was detained. Um, so this is what is the most upsetting, I have to say, that you're trying your best to uh, Free someone, and not only on my end. You know, like a lot of uh, uh, international organization. I remember having that uh, that U.S. Uh, State Department uh, call. You know, at my house, uh, was uh, working, uh, wondering where she was, and asking me questions about like passport number, her family uh, members. So it's it went far. It really went far.
1: So when Tom McMaster was found out, I mean, he actually did, uh, you know, some interviews uh, with Is even it? NPR. And, he, you know, he apologized, but it was like half-assed. And he said that he didn't think that he harmed anyone, really, yeah. because whatever he wrote, you know, politically was what, you know, he 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 thought. And people should uh, give attention to what was happening in the Middle East. Um, you know, how do you feel about that comment that he said that he, he didn't actually think that he caused any harm to anyone?
5: Well, I I found it was like like ridiculous. Um, You know, and it's 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 a he was a it was a really stupid thing. You have to understand that they made him apologize in a way. Uh, When they found out it was Tom, they told him to actually uh, write a post about it because that was not his first intention. Uh, So it was not even like uh, on his own, let's say, agreement that uh, he was in a way forced, and he's like, okay, maybe I should do it. So of course. Of course, he's like, I don't need. Why are people are freaking out? I haven't hurt anyone. That made me upset. That made me upset not only for my for myself, but made me upset for all the people that were risking their lives finding Amina when they were like in Syria. You know, it's like it's it's one thing to be an activist. It's two things to be a gay activist, and the last thing is that when you're uh, anti regime activist and you're in a dictatorship country. Well, this is a little more dramatic, you know, so you're standing up and fighting for someone that never existed for the reason that uh, you were pretending to be someone else. You know, that was like a little, that was totally disturbing.
7: Has he ever, <coughs> excuse me, has he ever apologized to you?
5: Yeah, well, the thing is that he sent uh, four letters, four emails. The first one, I think, was, for, uh, was to Yelena for stealing her picture, which was probably a uh, hundred pictures. Uh, I understand also that he sent another email to someone he met online through forums, uh, literature and fiction forums or something like this, that he uh, had like, uh, uh, I don't know, like just an online relation, uh, more on the fiction, uh, you know, topics, and myself, plus, I don't know, a fourth person, I think, so I did receive an apology uh, email. But you know what, you receive an apology email from a guy that just lied and lied and lied and that puts you and, and never stopped the machine before going too far, you know, you have a lot of reason not taking it seriously.
1: Sandra, I want to touch on something, you know, from a a lesbian here. If I Mm -hmm. were to go online and and that's how we meet friends, that's how, you know, we're currently meeting other women who, Mm -hmm. you know, think the same way. I feel like when you take a a step back and you look at it from the big picture, the the perspective here, this is so damaging to the lesbian community, you know, and and to find out that it's like the the prospect of you meeting someone that you, you know, enjoy, that you want to connect with happens Mm -hmm. to be, a straight man who's happily married. I mean, yeah. I'm so angry about that. I, I, you know, it's it, it, again, it's like, so cliche. You know, well,
5: it's so cliche.
1: Do you think that this happens a lot though? Yeah, I mean, obviously, right? You think about like Craigslist or something, like men of pretending to to be women, to meet yeah. other women.
5: I think I, I think it happens all the time. You Noah know, I, I, I I saw friends of mine uh, going on. Um, uh, Tinder or whatever, you know, uh, these kind of like websites, and there's so many guys that are pretending to be women. I don't know, I don't know what's the trip. I don't know why they do that. It's, uh, it's really going for fantasy. But you know, Tom' attention was probably uh, also a writing challenge. Plus, maybe something else that was more into his personality. And who knows? Maybe gender issue. Who knows? You know, it went. We can go that far in questioning his attention. Um, but of course, it's damaging because we, don't, we know as lesbian, it's very hard to connect to people. And I'm a shy person. So, of course, going out, is, I don't like going out. So computer was an easy access to it. But my list, I le, I've learned my lesson. You know, I, I think I prefer now, uh, well, I'm with someone now, but I was telling myself I prefer maybe it being single more for a longer time than going through this again or having to question every email I'm receiving and what's the attention behind.
7: Right. So has that affected the way kind of just the trust you build in other people, even outside of a, a relationship, just other connections you make online?
5: Well, of course, yeah. of course, but in a way, you know, I still trust, trust people because it's very hard not to trust people and I'm a kind person and I guess that, you know, I'll be probably more aware and uh, that I'll have a different way of dealing with if it happens again. But, you know, it's the awareness goes from reading media and uh, online identity to uh, so many different levels. There's the way we connect and because there's a notion of time also now that I've been that we have skipped, you know, time Less exist nowadays. We we just act so quickly that we want answers as fast. So this is why also it's it's a very interesting documentary on that topic because as uh, did the journalist, I did the same thing. You know, you want to connect quickly. This is we're consumer. We're consumer of everything. And I think uh now I'm taking more of my time. I have to say that time came back in my life in a very in a more strategic way than ever.
1: Well I'm I'm happy you're you know, happy with someone. I just wanna let you know I'm real and uh I'm a lesbian <laughs> and my name is Michelle Meow.
5: <laughs> I'm very happy, Michelle, you're real. Thank
1: right. you. Yeah But you know
5: you know everyone doubted I was real also during the before doing the documentary. Really? And I understand, you know, it's a question that I think uh, we should ask ourselves even more.
1: Exactly. So you brought up the documentary, and, and you know I know you guys are up there at Sundance, and again, like I said, there's been a couple of reviews, and they're uh, positive, but do we, do we have information yet if we'll be able to catch the movie in theater soon, or?
5: Well, on, on American soil, I don't know yet, because we had our press industry screening yesterday evening, uh, so we'll probably get some news in the next coming weeks for, for releases in, here in the uh, U.S. But, uh, you know, if you want to Fly to Montreal. It's probably going to be out soon, so uh, <laughs> there's uh, there's uh, many ways you can attend this screening.
1: Okay, well I, I mean I might take you up on that offer, Montreal. Like why not? Yeah, I don't right? t- no, t- yeah. you know
5: update news are on, on Facebook page on the Amina Amina profile Facebook page and on Twitter as well. So
1: that's great, and then and then I can create a blog you know, you about sure? the whole entire journey and saying how I, I got to go to Montreal and the, fil- exactly. the film is real, right, John? Exactly, and <laughs> unreal as well. <laughs> we can uh,
5: extend so many questions we shall.
1: Exactly. So I have one last question for you before sure. we let you go. Uh, I wish I could, you know, talk to you all day about this situation. I mean, um, but, I, you know, I think I, I really want to touch on this issue for the LGBT activists in Syria. We, we yeah. talked about the damage that it's already done. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I mean... Can, what What is the sentiment there? What What's the feeling there regarding Americans and bloggers and, you know, the media? We're so quick well, to run to social media and post about a lot of things. I'm hoping sure. that we can rebuild the trust is where I'm going yeah, well, with the question. well, you
5: know, I'm going to extend your question to uh, other countries surrounding Syria. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen that case in Cairo of uh, all these guys that were caught uh, yeah. uh, and they were, like, uh, just uh, being uh, filmed outside by by random people just taking advantage of a situation and trying to uh, humiliate them more. You know, it's like, I don't know why it's so complicated to see that uh, homosexuality is not, is not a sin anymore and shouldn't be in, a, in our time. So, you know, it's a life-threatening uh, case. Like, they, they really hide. And, and I have, I have friends of mine that live in the Middle East still don't say that they're gay because you know you can be fired you can be judged who knows you can be probably molested you can be like tortured there's so it's so hard for them and uh, this is why also it's uh, the documentary is very important when when we open the door to uh, to uh, still listen to the uh, the voices that are going out of these countries because bloggers are still there uh, gay bloggers also but it's just a matter that we should still listen <laughs>
1: Sophie, thank you so much for joining us here on the program. Before we go on break, we, we're going to play you know, a trailer of the film, The Amina Profile, and so right now it's being view, viewed at Sundance. We're hoping yes. that the film will come to America, but if you got some extra change, hey, head to Montreal. <laughs> um, and so, you know, uh, get more information by, you know, Googling The Amina Profile. I also want to extend thanks to uh, Sophie Jarosu, who's the director of the film who joined us earlier. Uh, thank yes. you to you both, and good luck. Lo- thank you so much for, uh, for inviting us.
0: Tune into the Michelle Miao Show weekdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 Eastern, on Progressive Voices.
7: It wasn't gonna happen to me. I dated one guy.
1: I had to run in the room and cry because I pictured them as orphans. I started to prepare for death.
0: I just remember laying up in the hospital thinking something's got to give. Act up, fight back, fight it!
6: I knew every one of these
7: people, and none of them survived. We were laying down our dead in front of the White House. When are you going to stop this?
6: The quilt was created to be a weapon against not only the disease, but the cruelty and bigotry that the disease exposed.
7: It gave people meaning at a time when things seemed very, very dark. We
5: thought we were going to save the world.
7: 31 years into this epidemic, what part are we
4: missing? There are HIV infection rates here in Washington, D.C. that rival certain parts of Sub-Saharan Africa. We have a flatlined new infection rate of about 50,000 people a year. We have done
5: a lot, but not enough.
8: We need to make some changes.